0: Welcome back to another episode of The Ungrown Ups. This is episode number eight, or as we call it, The Ocho. We're about to get crazy with, I don't know what the hell we're getting crazy with. I guess we're just no crazy in this room. So we started chatting before we started hitting the record button. And then we said, hey, let's, let's get some of this down on uh, on SD card, on tape, yeah.
1: on file. Most of our, our really good stuff happens without the record button on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way you, life should be. You don't want it all staged i guess no you don't want to record the conversation yeah
1: that's what i mean just conversation
0: wise right we end up having talks about whatever it is and then we go whatever life is going on yeah yeah it's one of the the challenges that i'm facing is i'm 40 which is fine but i have is it though eh, it's fine it nothing seems different yet by the way really quick the uh i want to welcome you to your sixth
1: decade that you're participating i
0: know i know after the uh, new year's post i saw a lot of stuff on social media so i was around for the 70s 80s 90s the 2000s the 2010s and now and i i didn't even think about it until uh i guess it was new year's
1: eve or some new year's day morning ish i woke up at like 3 a.m with that thought went wait a minute what the heck? That and then crazy. I saw it somewhere later. One of my friends mentioned it and was like, I had that exact same thought. Six decades. Yeah. I you get a participation trophy of some type.
0: Just imagine the uh, the variety of music that we've experienced in those decades. We started with disco. Yeah. it. I don't think... So turning 40 didn't make me feel old. What right. made me feel old was a couple of years ago when... The DJ was talking about the Nirvana Nevermind album being 25 years old. Yeah, and it has now since been passed, so it's older than 25 years old. But that, I think, was kind of the wake-up call, going, "Oh shit, I've been around for a while." Right. And in Southern California, there's a um, a popular radio station called K Earth. Uh, it's a 101 FM. That is our oldies station. It's no longer oldies. They play stuff from the 90s and 2000s and stuff, but. Growing up as but a it kid, is the oldies it station. was the oldies station, and I don't know how they've rebranded themselves, but they're playing Nirvana, they're playing Foo Fighters, they're right. playing but stuff. That,
1: that my point is, that's now the oldies. Yeah, I know, I and mean, uh, I, I
0: hate to say it, and it's it's sucks, but it's true. I, I'm looking forward to like the uh, the evening, like what is it the the love songs, <laughs> like the evening hour love dedications. Yeah, what we call them. And when it starts getting to that, we're like. Yeah, I'd like to dedicate uh, Cisco's thong song to the love of my life right now. So that was Jeanette, song, if that was you're- the
1: first song we got down to? If like you're, that, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're
0: listening out there, Jeanette, this one's for you. You oh, know, man, it it's it's fantastic. dumps like a truck, truck, <laughs> truck. But I mean, <laughs> those are going to be oldies for somebody and have yeah. some significant emotional tie to them. But no, no. The the challenging part for me of, of turning older is I have uh, ear piercing. So my my ears are gauged. They're not very large. <laughs> But the challenge is finding tasteful jewelry to replace them with. For the longest time, I had um, carbon fiber tunnels. So my ears are uh, gauged at 8 gauge, which is roughly a 3.2 millimeter hole in my ear. Not huge. I can't put my fist through it or anything like that. But I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sometimes you can walk around and you see people with huge, like they can put a Coke can through their ear. And you're like, that's impressive. Yeah.
1: But... I had, uh, mine are mostly closed. I got lucky, but I was a zero for a while. And right. So that's, it gets a little ridiculous. So you put a pen through there.
0: Right. And so I'm looking at jewelry and the hard part is, is finding something tasteful that a 40 something year old could wear. Cause everything out there seems to be either too, I guess, granola, hippie kind of hemp related, yeah. or it's just boring, like a, a simple hoop. And I'm trying to find stuff that would be somewhat interesting. I mean, even maybe like a, a carbon fiber, nut and bolt, something more technical, more refined. Probably a lot of weed-related stuff. Yeah. yeah, little happy faces yeah. or, or pot leaves and yeah. stuff like that. And it's a market that just doesn't exist, but it's kind of interesting because I'm doing all these Google searches looking at, and you tr- you're trying to type in different keyword searches, hoping that you hit what you're looking for. I know,
1: what are you searching? Classy body piercing, old...
0: No, so I'm doing like, like eight, eight gauge, you know, ear jewelry or body jewelry or tunnel or plug or all. These. And these body piercing sites that sell these jewelry um, or that have jewelry stores online are all crap. And so it's it's almost impossible to find this. And it's kind of like, do I just move on from the I, jewelry thing? Maybe, or maybe it's a, a business opportunity. Yeah, but I, the thing is, is like I don't know how big that market is, right? I mean, it, it, I guess in this day and age with, with being able to do like 3D printing with metal, like doing like titanium or additive materials yeah. and stuff, maybe you could do something to where you could just have on-demand services That'd and be a able... pretty
1: expensive investment though for that. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I mean, going into like a, a, a manufacturing of, of body jewelry that I would think would be interesting is I, I don't know what that market is, but that's... Kind of the point. That's this is like I guess the first real challenge where like everything that's out there is either too tacky or it's it's simply it's it's just not for me. But I don't know if it's necessarily not for me because I'm now older, or if it's just not for me because it never really was, and I just found stuff over the years that I was able to use, but now I can't find those anymore. I don't know. They've. I mean, there's got to be just simple stuff though right i mean that would sort of i guess fall into the category of yeah i i don't know what it is i mean everything i look for it it ends up being like glass or stone or wood plugs that are yeah. meant to be like the size of like a quarter like if i had a larger opening in the sure. ear and because my ear openings i guess are dainty in comparison maybe i just don't have as many options dainty. yeah dainty it's a good word well i mean it's it's a a little over a three millimeter hole it's not massive by sure, any means sure so I, I, I don't know what that challenge is, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know where I should be looking at. Like, I don't know if the online search simply isn't where I should be and I just need to be going into more yeah, more, yeah, more boutiques and, and stores looking for that kind of stuff. Or if it's a matter of reaching out to a a jewelry maker and commissioning something as a one-off. Like, I, I don't know.
1: I have no idea. Either. And I think that was part of kind of what, I guess led me to just let mine sort of close up is that everything was kind of ridiculous once you wanted to like have some type of, I don't know, not, not professional, but you know, you, you're in a different environment and everything else was very much like stood out too much.
0: Right. And and I think that's, that's the thing is you want something that is interesting, but not obnoxious. Right. And that is seemingly an impossible task with what's out there in the market these days. Like I don't need a fluorescent green silicone plug in my ear. So yeah. it's like, mm. so that, <laughs> that has been my, your old kind of wake up call at least with the, with the shopping, uh, trying to find some replacements from that. And I'm sure I'll find something at some point, but the, uh, the online searches that I've been doing on this, for the past week or so have not yielded anything worthwhile well maybe somebody out there will know something and they can help you out yeah yeah if if that person exists send me a note send uh send me an email to uh matthew at ungrownups.com and hopefully i can find something that'll that'll adorn my ears
1: yeah that would be helpful my my old thing was we already talked about was the decade thing just realizing that at 40 years old i'm in my sixth decade and
0: but oh, I barely God. made it into the 70s. I was born two weeks before the 70s ended. Yeah, I mean, I got six months. It's yeah. not like
1: I was a huge amount of time. But you still start to say, okay, I, I participated in. Yeah. I, and, and now, you know, 80s, 90s, like to your point. And that's, that's that's a lot. It makes you feel kind of old.
0: The six decades definitely makes you feel older because you just automatically assume 60 years. And in our right. case, it's no, it's just barely over 40. But right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And I the the one thing that I've seen a lot of on social media since the the new years happened has been, you know, we're closer or we're just as far from twenty fifty as we are from nineteen ninety.
1: Yeah, which is, to be honest with you, doesn't do anything for me. Yeah,
0: but so for some people that's that's mind blowing. And I've seen other ones like, oh, you know, if you take the when the one D years aired, in in reference to the time period of the sixties. If the Wonder's if a if a modern version of the Wonder Years, Wonder Years was to air today, yeah, it would be set in like the nineties or something like that. And
1: we had that. It was called the Seventies show and then they had the eighties show and it was a huge flop.
0: Yeah. The closest thing to the eighties show now that I've actually been getting into is the the Goldbergs. I love that show. That show is awesome. I, it was I hilarious. I, and I've been enjoying all of the eighties cameos. Yep. With actual people from the 80s, so like Rick right. Springfield or or various actors or movie plots have been incorporated quite nicely into various episodes. And since that's been on Hulu, we've just been streaming all through those. And
1: I think it's cool if you watch to the end too, he pulls up his own family, his real family That's the crazy and part. recreate some of that. That's super cool.
0: Yeah, so the I guess he's the showrunner, Adam F. Goldberg. Yep. A lot of this is based on his real family. So right. the characters that are in the episode are are basically named and modeled after his real family and they do a lot of interactive stuff so after the episode airs or after the episode is done the little teaser or whatever they'll, they'll chat with the real live uh, Goldberg or uh, sometimes they'll have cameos so like um, some of the settings in a high school so sometimes somebody comes to the school and talks in that the person that actor in real life was the real gym coach or whatever it was.
1: When it's narrated, like if the the narrator is Patton Oswald and you've got uh, oh, what's his name, um, Jeff Car, Jeff Gar, Jeff Garland? Jeff Garland is yeah, the dad. he's the dad. Yeah. So the cast is really good. Yeah, uh, really, really
0: funny. So we, yeah, that that I think is the closest to the '80s '90s show for us. Of I guess that is sort of the the wonder years of our generation, but not as poignant. I mean, yeah. it's way, it's way funnier. It's definitely more of a comedy and less of a, a drama. Right. Right. Like the Wonders Years was right. But yeah, so that, that was kind of the, the, uh, that's the, I'm old statement, but that's only in, in terms of trying to find stuff. And otherwise I don't feel any older mentally. Well, you're only
1: a few weeks into 40. Give it some time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You think in like two months in
1: you'll, is that when you felt it? I think I started feeling it at like 37. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, uh, no, I honestly, I, in, in all reality, while I feel physically, yeah, it's definitely tell I'm a little bit older, but mentally
0: I'm still like 17. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that ever changes. And that I'm thankful for that. Yeah,
1: no, for sure. Although as we were talking earlier, I've spent the entirety of this year sober, uh, and it so far so good. It's been uh, an interesting experience, mostly because I've been sick,
0: but you've been chugging the NyQuil bottle, right? So, I mean, that's, sort of alcoholic. Actually, you know
1: what, honestly, I only had Nyquil for a couple nights and I can't. That stuff just Do you take it from the bottle or the capsules? Like I know I take the little I like to pour the shooter. The shot
0: glass. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The problem that I have with Nyquil is that it's supposed to knock you out. I yeah. think it does the opposite to me. I get wired and I can't sleep.
0: Yeah, I I uh it it works with me, but my wife loves it and she'll just take it straight from the bottle. Oh. Like she'll take a swig if she needs it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a uh, it's been interesting. Like I I'm kind of on this low level sore throat, cough, cold kind of annoyance where in the morning I feel a little sore. Yeah. I'm fine for the whole day. And then in the evening, like before bed, it starts kind of creeping back in a little bit, but it's just that annoyance factor. It's like, well, do I need to take NyQuil? It's like, I don't know how much of it's actual placebo versus it's actually helping because I don't know how much help it's done. Well, I I think
1: most of it too. It's like acetaminophen and most of it is that's kind of what helps. I think. Um, Yeah.
0: Just the, the,
1: and I'll only take like, I had a, I had a legit 102 degree fever for two days. Two and a half days. So it made sense. Yeah. Right? And to break it, the fever. Yeah. Yeah. It. Exactly. But other than that, I just live off, been living off Gatorade.
0: Yeah. The electrolytes. Yeah. And back. then I
1: just said, well, I mean, might as well just keep it going. Yeah. So, so we'll, far, so good. Yeah. So far, so good. We'll see how this goes yeah. before I break down. And it, it is not that we should, you know, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic or anything, but man, I could use a drink. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's been that kind of year, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Already. And it's already, yeah. We're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other uh, adult thing I've, I've been trying to shop for has been a, a, a garage door.
1: Now, yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning.
0: Yeah. It's not really an exciting thing. It's just our house um, was built in the late nineties. So it was built in like 97. So it's not really it's pretty old. New. Yeah. yeah it's, it's somewhat modern. Um, but the garage door is original and the previous homeowner, we assume at some point, had hung on the sectional door when it was open. Yeah. So they kinked the top panel of the door and they braced it with a two by four. And so over the years, the the door has continued to wear. And so the the upper panel has kinked enough so that depending on, I guess, the, the temperature right. and the time of day, when you open the garage door, sometimes there's enough resistance there with that kinked panel that the motor can't pull it all the way open. So the door just stops halfway. So I physically have to, Push the door to get it to open all the way up. Totally minor, not at any major inconvenience because we don't park our cars in the garage because that's where all my son's go karts and bikes and toys are. So it's not that big of a deal. But we're like, all right, we'll start looking at garage doors. And because I live in a city that has a, I guess, a community association, there are architectural guidelines. And so well, it's a, it's basically you live in a planned community. Yes. Yeah. I live in a master plan community, so there are rules that say, you know, you can't live in a motorhome parked on the street kind of thing. Um, And so I looked at the rules for architecture. And so they have things like if you're going to change your landscaping, you have to submit plans. If you're going to put a new fence in, uh, your paint colors have to be from these approved color palettes. But on garage doors, they don't say anything. So I'm like, all right, that's good but bad because there's questions that have to be asked. Right. And so I, I went down to the office and I'm like, oh yeah, you have to submit uh, a proposal for the architectural review committee. I'm like, it's just a garage door. It's just, instead of looking like the current one, it's going to look different. And the current door has raised panels. It's a generic uh, sectional garage okay. door opener. And we want to do more of a contemporary door. So now I got to get the neighbors to sign off on it and do all stuff. But the, the challenges is, is finding, you can't, walk into a store and browse garage door styles. That doesn't really exist. I mean, yeah, Home Depot and Lowe's have some displays. I'll bet you there's a garage door store. But there's not. Eh? And that's the thing is, so I started calling around, and so I had uh, some companies come out and give me quotes, and one of them actually wanted to charge me a visit to come out to give me an estimate. I was like, What? yeah, why would I pay you 30 bucks to give me an estimate when all your competitors aren't charging me? Right. So that's that's the uh, the adult grown up thing. But the they come out with like a big book of patterns and stuff. But there, like they there there are several different brands. And it, to me, it's almost like shopping for mattresses. I'm pretty sure there's only like two factories that make these garage yeah. doors, but yeah. they're sub branded under all these different brands, so you can't really cross shop them because um, the styles are all the same. And we're not doing any of the dumb windows. Like I don't need additional daylight in my garage door when it's closed. We don't have, you? I have lights in the ceiling. Like I can flip a switch and illuminate my garage. Okay. So I don't need the little door lights or the door windows. Um, so it kind of reduces the need for all these custom options. But the, uh, the interesting thing is it, in California, I guess sometime last year, they, they passed a, a law and they changed the requirement. But if you wanted to replace your garage door opener, the motor that actually opens the garage door, all new garage door openers must have a backup battery inside so that way you can open the garage door when the power is out. Which makes no Except sense. You, yeah, exactly. It makes no sense because you right. can always just pull the, the, the lock release off the, uh, the track yep. and then lift the door up physically. But to your comment earlier, people are stupid. Yes. So now that ties into if you replace the garage door and your garage door opener doesn't have the backup battery, you also have to replace the opener at the same time. How do they know? I guess the the way it is i guess it's it's almost like um you know how when you go into like a like when they try to catch an, an underage alcohol sales yeah they have plain clothes people come in and try to buy liquor from a liquor store that are underage
1: so they've got plain clothes garage salesmen
0: no they got plain clothes customers coming in getting quotes and if the garage door technician doesn't tell them they can be fined. And apparently it's a $1,000 fine for the technician for not installing a garage door with the, the new, or uh, not installing a new garage door opener with the new garage door. I'm
1: so glad those are the things that we spend our time on.
0: Yeah. But anyways, so, I mean, we knew we needed a door. Yeah. It's it's not a critical thing. And we have total time because the door still works. But now it's just kind of jumping through all these hoops. And it's like deciding, okay, well, I can spend $2,500. I can spend three grand. Right. There was one door that we really liked that had a... Um, It was a metal door that was faced with wood and the, the wood was kind of arranged like in horizontal planks. Sure. But it would have been a $5,000 door and I don't need a $5,000 garage door. So I don't
1: know that anybody does.
0: Maybe, you know, some of those big Hollywood Hills houses or something like that. So
1: speaking of this is actually pretty funny that you bring up garage doors. We recently discovered that my mom's, so my mom's place, there's a two car garage and like a single car garage door yeah. next to it, right? We recently discovered that the last time the garage doors were off, and I can't remember why they had been taken off. Yeah. They were put back on wrong. So the top panel is now the bottom panel. And it is, it's is—it's pretty funny. You, It's the thing where you can't really notice it until you notice it. And then once you notice it, that's you all can you ever, see. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, you have to take the whole thing apart and put it back together. And my says, no, I'll just put a board here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no you have to take it apart and put it back together because it doesn't make sense otherwise. Right. It's like, well, nobody will know if I just do this. I'm like, I'll know.
0: And it, it's just- You put a sign in the front yard. Look at my yeah. messed up
1: garage door. Yeah, I mean, no, it, they live on a cul-de-sac that nobody ever goes down anyways, but it's still pretty funny.
0: Yeah, the uh, one of the garage door guys that came to my neighborhood pointed out the same thing about a neighbor's garage door that I never noticed. Yeah, And there's different panel designs, I guess. And this neighbor happens to have- so a sectional garage door usually has four or five sections. Right. Our neighbor has four sections, and so there's four horizontal panels. The two lower panels have a different design than the two upper panels. It's a, basically they mixed and matched, and oh, it made weird. no reason as to why they did it. Yeah. And then they bolted on a bunch of fake hinges. Nice. To make it look like it's got iron yeah. hinges and handles. Classy and it's like, look. Yeah. It, it's, it's like... It's the equivalent of people going to like AutoZone and getting the the stick on chrome fender vents right. for a car that doesn't actually have them. Maybe they had planned on putting a moat and they needed that aesthetic. Yeah, like yeah. castle. So anyway, so that's that's the uh, those are the two grown up shopping <laughs> attempts I've made. The the body jewelry. The twenty twenty is crazy so far. Oh yeah, I'm just shopping for everything.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I have done no shopping this year. Actually, it's not true. I did go. I did go to the Lego store. Yes. But I, I went, and I went on the first. I, did I go on the first? Yeah, I, you went on the first. You yeah, sent me like a message. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, popped in. It was insanely busy. But
0: you were at South Coast Plaza. Yeah, right? I was. Which I, is already hell on earth. Right. And it
1: was even worse. Cause that, it, there's a bunch of restaurant stuff right there.
0: For those that don't know, South Coast Plaza <clears throat> is a, I don't want to say a boutique shopping mall, but it's, it's a mall with very high end uh, stores inside so there's a rolex store there's a louis vuitton store and things like that that's all contained to one side of the mall but it also happens to be the side of the mall the lego stores right there. and they actually have tour buses full of international visitors that they bus in to do shopping in southern california did you know it used to be at
1: one point it was the largest shopping mall
0: in the united states before the mall of america opened up yeah, yeah. in terms of, i think of sales or something like that i mean they I think the mall does like a billion dollars. I think physical of
1: like, square footage at one point, it was the largest in indoor mall.
0: So this mall is already kind of an attraction on its own. Right. And then with the, I guess holidays and all that stuff, the Lego store and the mall stuff was packed.
1: So it was crazy packed. Um, I went and I wanted to find the new, so the new speed champion cars are the new wider design. They're wider and longer. And uh, there's actually one sitting in front of Matthew, uh, next to the old Porsche and I don't love them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So the, the new sets, so the one thing my son wanted for for Christmas was some new Legos, but no. these didn't become available until January of 2020. Right. So he luckily received some gift cards from his from his relatives. So when they became available, much like you, we went to the Lego store as well. Right. And so we picked up the Nissan GTR which you have as well as the Audi Sport, the Sport Quattro. Mm-hmm. So they're interesting sets in the fact that they're bigger. They're sort of more detailed. They're heftier. They're, they're, they're kind of- They're significantly heavier. Yeah. They're more impressive, yeah. I guess, when you hold, hold them. Right. But they kind of have lost their charm in some ways. And we, Ryan and I were talking, we, we can't really quite figure out why we don't like them quite as much.
1: Like I don't, I don't hate it. I just don't, there's something to charms. a great way to put that. There's something about the old designs and the way that they even were constructed and the build of them that just has this really kind of cool
0: simplicity, almost
1: simplicity. And it's obvious that it's a Lego. It's not trying to be a hot wheel or a die cast model and the newer car, because they're putting more detail into it almost comes across a little too, uh, like they're trying to be a little too accurate. Right. And it, it, doesn't really fit kind of the aesthetic or kind of the, that charm that you want out of it. And the build, I got to be honest with you. There's, there's a lot of underneath. There's a lot of really big chunky pieces. So there's two by four, you know, blocks and there's a lot of like filler filler. Sure. And then there's a tub that, that you get. So the pieces are more kind of purpose built yeah. rather than, Hey, I'm building a, a really neat car with some interesting technique. And I mean, that's not to say that it's not, good and it's not neat it's just not quite the same
0: what what'll be interesting to see is if they introduce some of these new speed champion vehicles that are I guess updates of the existing ones right so like we have some of the older 911 Porsche uh Lego speed champions and so if they did a new Porsche 911 to see where those changes come into play and see if it's just as kind of simple because we don't really have a apples to apples comparison with the two exact cars, right. but in different series, they, they haven't repeated anything yet. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what that is like.
1: I think that will be, it, it, it'll be really cool to get to make that kind of comparison, that one-to-one comparison. The
0: Ferrari might be the closest, only because maybe the, the new speed champions, the F8 uh, Tributo, right? but they've had the 488 Ferrari. So, I mean, Ferraris are similar enough that maybe that could Close be the enough. closest comparison. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I think the thing that makes it odd for me is the proportions. The wheels are physically the same size between the old car and the new car. Right. Even though the new car is wider and taller and bigger. And then the minifig, the, the character inside, in the old car is pretty proportioned. Like it, it fits the the scale of the older, smaller cars better. The new car is wider now. So it's, it's two you studs two people, wider. Yeah.
1: And you can have two minifigures. You can actually
0: fit, yeah, right. two passengers there. But it also makes it so... That the steering wheel isn't centered on the driver anymore, like in this Nissan, the steering wheel is off to the right. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting, but it's a it's a it was a fun build. My my son built both of them uh, in the same afternoon. I helped him with some of the uh, the stickers, which there are I think still too many. There is stickers. a
1: substantial amount of stickers that is so annoying,
0: and I think it's because these are all the speed champions, so they're all race related. So you have the race livery stickers that you need to apply. But it would be nice that they just kind of had the option of doing a street version of the car where it is kind of free from all the stickers, but yeah, it is what it is. But that was a, that was kind of an interesting uh, purchase for my son because this is one of the things where, you know, he's got money burning a hole in his, in his pocket. So you had to get out and spend it as much as possible.
1: Well, speaking of purchases, let's do, let's do what they call in the industry, a callback to a different episode. Uh, I think when we were with Tim, we were talking about this, uh, the Hot Wheels ID and you told me, I would Our buddy Grayson, it. yeah, you said I would never do that, and I we all we all it. questioned it. Yeah, said it's ridiculous. And then what happened?
0: My son, with his own gift card money, went out and bought it. Now, the one thing that he I did see, then he kind of also
1: it, bought it in a weird place
0: at the Apple Store. Very strange. So we had seen it like at Target, where they had the track set, and the track set was like a hundred eighty bucks. Yeah, and it's got this uh, piece of straight track that has a RFID reader that has Bluetooth and it's a, a piece of straight track. And then it's got six other track pieces and like a loop and it comes with two cars and it's like 180 bucks. Yeah. It's been at clear on clearance at target cause nobody bought those things. And they're now down to, I think half price or like $85, which I think is still a little too steep, Yeah, but
1: get that, to like 30 and call me.
0: Right. Right. The, the, that Bluetooth RFID enabled straight piece of track is available all by itself and it comes with two cars. And so we had to go to the Apple Store because my uh, my iPhone ten, my battery took a crap. Okay, like the 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 with, I think with iOS twelve, there's now a battery health function. So you go into the settings, click on battery to tell you what your battery health is. Oh. It'll give you like normal or a percentage. Mine said service, oh. and so when I click on it, it brings up a browser and it says I need to get my battery replaced, and it's sixty nine bucks or sixty five bucks or whatever at the Apple Store. So I made an appointment, went in and while we were waiting on my phone after we dropped it off with the uh, the genius bar dude whatever my son was browsing the store and they had a display of the app of the hot wheels id stuff and there they had just the straightaway piece of track mm-hmm. that had the rfid bluetooth and it was thirty nine bucks, thirty five bucks, something like that.
1: Just the track, no car, no. With two cars. Oh, with two cars, okay.
0: But it didn't have the the bank turns of the loop to loop, the stuff that my son doesn't really care about.
1: But all that stuff probably is compatible with, with the existing tracks, track. yeah, exactly. right? Yeah, which okay. we already have. Right.
0: So he had a fifty dollars gift card. So he picked that up, and he picked up a uh, what did he pick up? The I think it was the Bagani... Bagani Waira? So they up, had other cars there. They had too other there. cars there. So he picked up one car and that. And what sold them on it was they had iPads available right next to the the display, and they showed you how you could take this this physical car, put it on that piece of track. It would read the RFID tag and it would unlock that same car in the virtual gaming experience in the app. And my son's all about racing games and so so he plays Forza and and all these other. He's got dirt he's got forza horizon he's got forza motorsports he's got the crew anything with video game and racing on xbox he has it right so with his ipad same thing he's got a bunch of drifting games and a bunch of racing games and so he now ha- has that um, hot wheels id game and so he's more about collecting the cool physical hot wheel not really playing with it but then playing with it virtually in the ipad game i don't see the value
1: in yeah it. i don't get it but okay
0: and the interesting thing is when you look at the game, it has all that same uh, pay-to-play thing. So you can buy virtual currency to buy these virtual cars. And I'm like, I, I told him, I'm like, I'll download the app. You bought the set with your own right. Christmas money. That's totally fine. I'm like, I'm not buying you virtual currency to buy virtual cars because you can still play the games and earn the currency on your own. <laughs> so, but if he buys other cars, physical cars, then he
1: can unlock as long as they're The The ID ID cars, right. So it's basically like, and we kind of talked about the Amiibo thing. So it's basically like the old, the Nintendo character, the figurines or figures or whatever, and that unlocks stuff in the games. It's, it's essentially that, but with cars. Yes. So we had talked about, oh, we don't even know if that's around or anything. And I actually flipped on my switch the other day and sure enough, it's still a thing. Really? Yeah. I was uh, in smash brothers. There's an option in the menus to get, to do the Amiibos and I don't,
0: how know. do you connect I, it to your, Switch? I think you have to have a,
1: the reader thing, there's or? a reader. Yeah. That's like one of those, you know, like a, I don't know what it is. That's
0: it's probably RFID or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, whatever. Yeah.
1: But it, yeah, you have to have one of those. I don't have one. Yeah. Cause I'm a grown adult. We'll just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's about being a grown adult. I just, that's not anything I, I care about.
0: Yeah. So as much as I didn't want to buy it for my son, I, and I didn't, He went out and bought it and so far he's, he's been having fun with it.
1: Yeah. Is he like, okay, let's go try and find another car.
0: No, but he does like, you know, a a big thing of our, our shopping trips. When we go to the grocery store and we go to target a lot of times is to browse the hot wheel selection. So he does include those new hot wheels ID in his, uh, cursory glances as he checks the aisles. Um, but he hasn't picked any up since. Um, I, I think Part of it has to do with the fact that it's more expensive. It's, yeah, how much are they? I think at regular price, it's like $6.99 or something like that, $5.99. So six, seven bucks for a single car yeah. versus he could get six regular Hot Wheels for that price because yeah. they're $0.99 cents a piece. So he hasn't really gotten in, got, gotten into it to the point where he wants to spend his money on that. And he still has um, Christmas money left over. No, yeah. So there's always the opportunity. But I think part of it is just he hasn't seen anything that he really wants to own. That's that's kind of where he's at with it. So we'll see. And I, I haven't really seen... I haven't played the game to really understand the mechanics of it all. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can personalize the cars. Like, if you earn enough points, you can make your car faster or do something. Right, right, right. Or if it's just a matter of earning currency just to buy new cars for your virtual garage or... Collect
1: car. fake Hot Wheels in a fake world.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. And then when Mattel stops supporting the app, you no longer have your fake cars in that well, that's world. Well, that's
1: the thing. If it... You know, it's like Forza, right? Okay, Forza is probably going to be around and there's going to be plenty yeah. of, you know, you, you do collect cars in Forza and you get a garage of 200 or whatever yeah. it is. But the second that this is ID, the Hot Wheel ID thing... They if it fizzles it's, out or something. Yeah, yeah. they it's at all, you know, the kids don't want it. But it is interesting. We talked about this before a little bit was the amount of effort manufacturers are putting in to figure out, you know, kids don't want to play with physical toys anymore. So how are you getting them to, to engage with something and play with something and then buy, I mean, spend the money to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Cause when I look back at what, what Grayson got for Christians, he got an erector set, he got, um, uh, some smaller Lego sets that he didn't have. Um, how did he feel about an erector set? He was, was there any excitement
1: or was it just like, it's a thing?
0: Yeah, it was more like it's a thing. He, yeah. he started playing with it and started building it, but I think the like we, we built a, a crane, and when it was all said and done, he wasn't all that impressed with it just because of how fiddly it was. Right? Like the, the crane relied on a bunch of pulleys and string to, to move the crane arm up and down and the hook up and down. Right. Well, as he carries the crane up to his room, the string gets off the pulleys and gets off track, and it's kind of a challenge for a nine-year-old to properly weave that thread where it needs to be to properly operate the pull- pulleys and stuff. So if it was a Lego crane, he wouldn't have had that problem because it would have been physical gears interacting with each other. If it was a Technic set or a little motor or something right. like that. So it, it does definitely seem to be a, a little bit more delicate and a little bit more overly detailed that he doesn't really appreciate right. as much. Like it's cool. He's like, Yeah, it's a cool crane, but then he looks at like his, his um uh e boost or was it yeah, the, the the Lego boost uh robot that he built that has uh motors and oh, can cool. be programmed and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's way more robust. He can manhandle it and tow it around without worrying about it falling apart or falling out of alignment. So the crane right now is just kinda hanging out on a uh on a case that he has in his in his room. So it's kind of like a shelf trophy at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. We've talked about erector set. I think my a big part of erector set for me was just probably the memories, to be honest with you. I think if I played with it now, it would not be anywhere near as interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest misopportunity with the erector set is the fact that the tools that they give you to build the set is just such crap. Oh, they were
1: garbage back then, too. Yeah, it's like, I mean, they're, garbage.
0: they're Allen, and the tolerance for the Allen wrench and the actual Allen head had so much slop in it right. that, that it was frustrating it's to the point where I actually grabbed my own tools just to have a better fitting Allen uh, wrench experience.
1: I remember they had this. Do you remember the open-end wrenches that came with them? They yeah. were like, they actually, I think now they give them to you in Ikea furniture. Pretty like much. It was pretty much that same. It's stamped metal. Yeah, yeah. total garbage.
0: And then the, uh, the the nuts are rectangular head. Right. So the wrench just has like an a, a actual square notch in the center of it, and then it has two ends that you can – grasp onto the nut. Right. But again, there's a ton of play on it and stuff like that. So it's just, the other thing I think it's interesting was you don't know how tight you're supposed to tighten stuff. Uh, right. They, they don't, I mean, tight, but with, with Lego, there's no question. It, it snaps together. Right. If there's no gap, you know, you're, you're fully seated. You're right. good to go with the erector set. You're like, okay, is it snug? Is it tight? And at some points we had tightened, but then it made assembly of later parts difficult because stuff was too tight and you couldn't move stuff around so then you had to kind of go back oh, like and loosen it and, and loosen certain to it, right. stuff to get stuff to align right and the instructions were just garbage where like, is a rector set made like is that is it from another country you know i don't know probably but it's 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 interesting cuz i think it's mecano is the the yeah meccano yeah meccano meccano but it's interesting cuz when you look at the the drawings and stuff like the the set was designed for 10 ages 10 and up so it's a little older than my son he's 9 but not like a huge difference right but in looking at the illustrations and stuff for the for the assembly instructions it's they they render really odd angles that make it very hard to see where the bolt is supposed to pass through the erector bracket and where the nut goes and how you align stuff yeah and then randomly because it's, it's computer uh, renderings for, for the assembly instructions, randomly the parts colors will just change. Like it, it's been a gray part for the first four pages and also the part changes to orange and then it goes back to gray. Like it's just the... the
1: inconsistent.
0: The QA yeah. of yeah. the whole thing is, is pretty poor compared to a Lego product where there isn't really ever any confusion on how something gets assembled. Like it's, it's really clearly laid out. They break it down simply. And with the, the Lego app, you kind of have the ability to kind of zoom in and kind of get a better glance.
1: Le- what, Lego's instructions are not infallible, though. Like I've the, definitely found mistakes and and some issues. And there's sometimes it's hard to tell what the hell's going on.
0: Right, but that's kind of more the exception than the rule. Right, Whereas right. with that the Erector set with this crane, it was like every other page I was looking at and I couldn't figure it out. And sometimes I'd have to build what I thought they wanted, right? Only to realize that I had I misunderstood because I couldn't get to the next step and I had to go back and disassemble different parts It's a really
1: frustrating puzzle
0: it is a frustrating puzzle but it's one of those puzzles that it's kind of glued together when you're done you're like okay i'm everything's tight i'm not taking this thing apart it's done
1: so night i did not know this but alfred carlton gilbert
0: a household name
1: started very much so started misto manufacturing company of new haven connecticut in 1913 and that's when erector started until 2000 when it was bought by meccano and they are out of Liverpool huh? because it only makes sense that the British would have bought that crap.
0: <laughs> that explains the electronics too.
1: Though they have electronics.
0: Yeah. Cause it's, it's motorized. It's got a, it's got a battery pack and it's got some little motors cause to, ah. to move the crane up and down and the battery pack you have to assemble. Got it's, it. it's literally like, I think six separate pieces to assemble a plastic case to hold two, Double A batteries, like you, it just really you couldn't have just mold it out of one piece, like you had to make nuts and bolts to assemble this battery case. Well, that's got to be part of the experience, but why? I don't know. That's it, yeah. So, you're looking at it, you're like, okay, I guess it looks
1: like Mechano actually made basically like a uh, their own version, yeah, sort of, of a Rector set, right? And then they ended up and then bought
0: a Rector, so basically almost like a, a competitor kind of doing its thing and then. When the when the opportunity came along and bought the competition and took it over
1: yeah or something they were at least making something very similar
0: yeah so, whatever. yeah so that was that was you know everything else for my son received was a lot of clothes like my my uh, parents for whatever reason his grandparents like to get him just clothing which Dude, he's so, okay with
1: so talking about stuff that you know they're trying to get these kids to play these games and there is a certain level of just absolute unnecessary behind some of this automation and things. Have you played electronic battleship? No. Okay. So my nephew got electronic battleship for Christmas.
0: Is it with physical battleship boards that you sit across? In so general? it's
1: basically somebody took the original battleship way. Like we played as kids. Yeah. Added a, and I'm going to use computer very loosely. They added this computerized element to it. So you turn it on and then you have these kind of fixed boards and you you pick a fixed board and you program the stupid thing to, to, to this is the configuration, right, right, that I've chosen. The other person chooses their configuration. And then you have to meticulously – I want to do uh, A7, right? Right. So I have to type in A7 and then hit fire and then it tells me if I hit you or not.
0: Uh, and then
1: And then you can play an advanced version of that where I can have like uh, torpedoes and things. Did oh. it, it, it it it's a case of not leaving well enough alone and trying to add an element that just flat doesn't need to be there. It
0: does prevent cheating though cuz you could always be like oh you no, missed my ship and then you physically move the ship. Right? Cuz it's, well, it's re- I guess
1: but because because of the the way it's reading, like, if you put the wrong thing in or you can't, like, actually understand the configuration, where the stuff's supposed to go, yeah. you're in that same, it's still True. going to miss. And it. oh, I, you didn't hit me. And then they have, so there's only one one boat, I think. There's huh. a boat, uh, two airplanes stuck together, three airplanes stuck together, a tank.
0: Because that makes sense in the ocean.
1: Right. That's the one that I absolutely was puzzled over. And uh, something else, but yeah, electronic battleship is garbage.
0: Huh? I have been playing a lot of electronic connect four, and it's literally just an app on my phone. Because like, oh, okay. when we go somewhere we're waiting in line or something, and we're kind of getting bored, we just whip yeah. that out. My son and I play back and forth,
1: and that see that that makes sense. But battleship was one of those things where you didn't you don't need it. So what we ended up just turning it off and just playing, playing manually. Yeah. yeah, although I did, and I didn't know this ever until recently. You know, there's blue. So there's white pins and red pins.
0: Yeah,
1: hit, or hits and misses, misses right? right? Right. You know there's blue pins. No. So there's blue pins, and I had always seen them in the battleship sets we had as kids growing up, but I could never use them. Yeah. I didn't know what they were for. It's so that when you've hit and sunk a boat, you put a blue one in, so you know you don't have to mess with it anymore.
0: But once you have all the pins I, in it, I, I, I'm just yeah, you. it's weird.
1: At a glance, I guess that's what I was told it was for. If I'm wrong, somebody is free to correct me, but that's what... Uh, I want to say my sister told me that.
0: Have you ever played other games as an adult when you realize you've been playing the game entirely wrong as a kid?
1: Mm, like, no, I don't think so.
0: Like, I've played shuffleboard as a kid and then realized how you're actually to play it as an adult, and it's like... Ah. Like
1: bar shuffleboard?
0: Well, or just literally like old Cruise ship. Cruise yeah, ship yeah, shuffleboard, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I don't think I ever knew how to play cruise ship shuffleboard. Uh, you just push it and screw
0: around. Yeah. But I have a score. It's like, or like playing darts. Like Mm. for the longest time, I didn't know how to keep score, so I was just, you know, you throw the dart and you're like, oh, bullseye. Cool. But all the different ways of keeping score and how the different games can be played. Uh,
1: Croquet. We played croquet the other day and I actually looked up how to play it.
0: It, I I don't even know what the rules are.
1: You, I still don't quite understand, but you basically start on one end. You lay out a course, you start on one end and you have to go through all the gates in order to get to the other side of the course, and then you turn around and come back.
0: And the first person back with the few yeah, strokes? Yeah, like
1: wins. I don't know. I don't think you count strokes. You get points for going through the gate, and then if you get through the little wicket thingy, and, but the, there was – I don't know. There's some extra pieces I don't really understand. My but, favorite
0: part of cocaine was just whacking that yeah. ball as hard as possible. Yeah. And I
1: did – we you do need a pretty good lawn because we were playing on sort of thicker grass, and it was
0: – It slowed the ball down, so you
1: – Yeah, and then there's, you know, divots and stuff, right? So it wasn't quite – it was pretty funny because it was my, my brother-in-law, myself, and then uh, the two kids, and we were playing, and – Pretty much everybody gave up about halfway through. They just
0: wish they had a game of lawn darts available. I'm telling you,
1: that is one of my favorite games still.
0: Lawn darts? Yeah.
1: A friend of mine in uh, Washington has. They have a couple sets of them.
0: I'm surprised they couldn't make some sort of like safer bean bag. They do. They have
1: safe ones, but they're like round. No, they're just like round tip.
0: Stupid. Yeah, because, I mean, you could do the same thing with a bean bag. Because the whole thing is you just want to be able to have the target stay... Once it hits the ground, stay in its position.
1: Yeah, and then there's that weight aspect to right, it. Right, right. So like
0: a, a weighted beanbag dart would kind of work. Yeah. And if you oh. get it heavy enough, <laughs> beanbag long darts.
1: No, I just want to see if, if there's a, maybe there's a new version of it. Lawn darts. No, there is not. Pla- they're plastic. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> they do have a, a version of it now, and it's all, you're right, it's a plastic with a really heavy head on it, and that's all. Yeah, that's not so it doesn't, that's fun. It's got a bounce.
0: Yeah, you yeah, I don't think you would want that. But I no, guess you no, can no. play it on any surface. So if you lived in like in a place with a, a small yard, you could play it on the driveway or something like that if it's just plastic, but
1: I guess it's just definitely not the same. The the original ones with the actual spikes. I mean, those things would wing that at your buddy and that's a problem. We we did throw them at each other sometimes.
0: So, when we were uh when we had uh, Tim on, we were talking about the TV shows like on Hulu, what was it, The Toys That Made Us?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: I got onto another Hulu series um, just recently, and it's James May, Our Man in Japan. So this is on Hulu. This is no, this is on Amazon Prime. On Amazon this Prime, on, okay. On, okay. But it, another streaming yeah, uh, yeah, content yeah. source. So this one's been interesting because my my son and I are, are big Grand Tour, Top Gear fans, and James May was a part of the original uh, Top Gear, and he's now on the Grand Tour on Amazon, and in this series he goes to Japan and it's kind of like the Anthony Bourdain type of traveling episode, but instead of just being a single episode, it's the entire series. So I think it's something like six episodes or something like that. It's a pretty good six or eight. Yeah. Yeah. And he travels all throughout Japan. And the way it started out is he started off in northernmost Japan. So he was on the uh, Island of Hokkaido Mm -hmm. before going onto the main Island. He's working his way from North to South. And so we just finished the third episode so the first episode was Hokkaido, second episode was the Tendo region, and the third episode was Tokyo. And it's interesting in his approach to it, because he's, he's kind of, James May is an interesting character. He's always about kind of like the nuts and bolts of things and the, the, the stories, but instead of doing like all the stuff you kind of expect, he ends up talking to people that are kind of a little more off the beaten path, and he, uh, he went to a, a craftsman's uh, shop, and he makes samurai swords. Oh, and cool. the process, the guy was 70 years old and he has an apprentice and it takes 10 years for the apprentice to pick up all of the skills necessary to be a master samurai sword craftsman. And it takes, at least according to this uh, to this master, a year and a half to make a samurai sword. And it's all done with the same single piece of steel, right? but just how it's worked and stuff. And just seeing the the process and just the interactions that he has with the people and and the interpreters and stuff it, it's there was they shed light on some sports I never knew of like there was actually a snowballing as a sport like teams playing against each other with obstacles it's, imagine like, paint. snowball fight yes oh awesome imagine paintballing so you yeah, have yeah. headgear body protection but you're playing with regulated size snowballs and I think you're limited to like ninety and they're all the same exact density and, and size. And teams line up. There's small obstacles that you can hide behind, and it's the best of three. That sounds awesome. But the the series is fascinating. I mean, I've, I've been to Japan for many many reasons uh, for for business and for pleasure, but many times. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting seeing other parts of the country being shown off and kind of interesting. And it's it's been a, a pretty damn good series.
1: Uh, did you did you ever see his show called um, oh, What was it called? Toy Stories.
0: I've I've seen an episode. I've seen parts of an episode.
1: That was also a really cool show where he would go and they'd have like so artifacts or air airfix art airfix Artifex? airfix that's what it was called. So airfix is a model company. Okay, and they would make like they made this life size airfix Spitfire model where he had all the pieces built and everything. Um, they did one about uh, Meccano actually, where he built a bridge out of Meccano. But so they would do these like he would go explore histories behind these toys and then make them life size like he would make actual full scale. I know he
0: built a Lego house, a full-size house yeah, he, out of Lego. one
1: of them was a Lego house. Um so it was, it, that was a really cool show too. Uh but, but modern shows on Disney Plus, uh, Jeff Goldblum has a show called uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, another fascinating show.
0: And he's just a fascinating dude. Jeff He's is- a
1: super interesting dude, but he's a thing where his show isn't a, a singular topic. It's, I think it's 30 minutes and every whatever week they have yeah. a, new, a new topic, but they've done sneakers, denim, uh, he did ice cream. So he goes and explores these different topics and learns more about them. Like the sneaker one was fascinating. They the, go,
0: the sneaker heads a collect. Yeah. He
1: goes and talks to them. He goes to Asics and learns about, uh, you know, kind of how they design sneakers and how they're making them more, uh, runners, more efficient and better for athletes. And huh. they've got, there's one scene, just it's an absolute riot. They have this, they call it a strike plate. Right. And so, you know, you run across it and it shows how your foot strikes and it's, they can help design the sole of the shoe to be more supportive, right. whatever. So you run across it barefoot? <coughs> no, you run across it in a shoe, oh, okay. but they've got Goldblum doing it. And Jeff Goldblum's run is, I don't want to ruin this for everybody because you need to, it's worth watching.
0: Is it like an ostrich? He does
1: this weird, like little. Saunter? Kind of like, kind of like a bop. Huh? They they keep calling it a bop, and yeah. it is is hilarious. Yeah, but the whole show is fascinating.
0: Yeah, I was at a uh, Cars and Coffee, uh, and I go quite regularly with my yeah. son. But it was just sometime over the summer, and he was actually there. He was filming uh, an episode, and I, I'm assuming it has something to do with car culture or. Yes, yeah, So
1: that that episode just came out. Uh, I think this week. I haven't watched it yet.
0: Yeah. You have to let me know how it is. Yeah, Let's, it looks it looks pretty good. And see if you see my huge head somewhere in the background. <laughs>
1: Well, with the amount of people that they've got in the background of things, I may not see you at all.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. is he uh, like in the episodes you've seen, Are there just huge crowds of people when he's out and about in public or is it There's actually not it's not like
1: annoying and and he'll be like kind of standing just in one spot and there's people walking by him and okay. there's nobody really irritatingly stopped or nobody really kind of doing anything stupid. It's pretty, huh. you know, pretty but it like his cadence and the way he talks about stuff and he's almost got this like he did kind a, of childlike fascination with some of the stuff. That's he really did an interesting.
0: interview with Conan O'Brien on uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast. Conan, okay. Conan needs a friend. Yeah. And it was just hilarious. Cause he had, Jeff Gubloom is a jazz musician. Yes. So he has, he does have a jazz band. And so they were, they got into this topic and then Jeff kind of like lowers his voice and tries to talk a little bit more sultry. Right. And then it's just Jeff and Conan just kind of groaning and moaning back at each other. <laughs> it sounds really odd, but it was hilarious. I can see that. And it's only, you know, the, I think the, the Conan O'Brien needs a friend podcast are only about like fifty minutes or an hour. Right. But if you get a chance, take a listen to the Jeff Goldblum episode. It was it was well done and it gives you a little bit more of, I guess, respect for the man. He's an interesting, interesting dude.
1: Oh, he's super interesting. And I I I've really enjoyed the show.
0: Which is interesting because when you think about Jeff Goldblum, like I, I don't know of anything recently that he's done. Like I mean, he's kind of like a a, a pop culture phenomenon. I mean, yeah. you, you know him from movies that we kind of grew up with, like I mean, Jurassic Park and things of that nature. But I don't know what the latest thing he's done, other than this than this uh, new series on Disney Plus. Yeah, I have no idea. But he, yet he's still a presence. Like people know who he is. Well, and, the, the and to that point that he does
1: an episode on tattoos, and they go to this like his hometown has a Jeff Goldblum festival thing and there's people that line up to get jeff goldblum tattoos and he shows up and ends up tattooing one of the guys no <laughs> yeah like he i think he does like two lines or something yeah. right but the guy's like yeah go for it and like tattoos part of so jeff goldblum tattoos part of a jeff goldblum tattoo oh no worries. Onto some guy that's like inception that's super weird
0: that is weird
1: but yeah he's he's just a super like this weird cult figure and to your point i don't know what he's been in yeah and he's got a like a four year old.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing something like that. Yeah,
1: something I think.
0: Yeah, I, I follow him on Instagram. Okay, just because he's such an interesting yeah, dude, yeah, and, yeah. His, and his fashion taste is kind of interesting, and he's he's got some swagger, and it's just it's kind of hard not to admire a dude like that. Yeah, like he's kind of an ungrown up. I mean, the way he carries yeah. himself and his personality and how he saunters about life, it's uh, it's not a bad place I, to be.
1: I think he's super interesting, and I, like I said, I think his out outlook on stuff and the way that he approaches things and is like he's genuinely interested in what these people are saying. Yeah. It's like do you remember uh, California Gold? Yeah. Okay, Hugh Hauser, for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about. He was on about, public
0: access. Public
1: access California show. This guy would it was called California Gold and Hugh Hauser would go to all of these interesting sites and interesting places in California and he would talk to the people. Yeah. But Hugh always came across as a dick. Like, he just had this kind of sarcastic, like somebody, you would ask a question about, oh, you know, tell me about this. And be like, well, this is the door to the house, the original door to the house. The original door. Like, the way that he yeah. would talk back to the people and, like, kind of, I don't think he meant it that way. No, no. But it read, like, wow, dude, you are a dick. Like, you are so sarcastic. Goldblum's not like that at all. Huh. It's it, He's genuinely, like, oh, wow, and very thoughtful about it. About what's happening, and it's it's a total trip. To so it. and with, then it's delivered as Jeff Goldblum.
0: Right, 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 right. So with these shows being on Disney Plus, are they released once a week? Yeah, they're doing once a week, which I think is awesome. Yeah, it is kind of interesting how, because at first when everybody was doing streaming, they just dropped them all at right. once, and everybody would binge watch. And right. I mean, there's pros and cons on both, but it is kind of nice knowing that you can kind of pace yourself and watch here and there. Like we watched the uh, over the holiday break last year, the first uh, episode of the Grand Tour dropped and in previous years it'd be an episode a week but they've changed the format i don't even know when the next episode comes out but we watched seaman seaman yeah Yeah. where they had boats and they had to travel through uh, Yeah, i
1: don't know when the next one comes out either i don't even know what it's about
0: yeah but i guess they're all at least for the grand tour they've changed the format so all they're doing are these big epic tour type uh travels rather than some of these standard here's a cool car let's take it around the track kind of thing so
1: well the the mandalorian was once a week is it over? Yeah, the last episode. Oh my god, we could do three shows, four, five, seven shows just about that.
0: I haven't watched this. You need to episode. watch it. Yeah, I know. It's just that's. I think that's the, the downside with content today. There's just so much out there. Just to yeah. really be able to watch it all and listen to it all, and
1: it is so good. Even just as a TV show. Yeah. Like if you're in, like if you ever watched Firefly, you're into like sci-fi shows and Battlestar, and it is. It, I think it's the best Star Wars thing to happen since Return of the Jedi.
0: Would you go back and rewatch the season? Oh, or yeah. have you?
1: No, I will. Okay, uh, it's on the list. But I mean, it was it was so well done, and they just they nailed it out of the park.
0: And is it set up so it's kind of like a TV show format where it's like a half hour? Yeah, it's half.
1: It's about half an hour, thirty two ish minutes. I think was the longest episode. It is kind of like a space western. There are a ton of cameos, um, it, which. It's both good and bad. There's some people that I honestly kind of could have done without.
0: Actually, like celebrity cameos, like you yeah, recognize, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's
1: like Bill Burr's in an episode, um, but and he, but he's got a pretty good line, and I don't think this is. be any There's Bostonians, and- yeah. There's a dude. There's an ep. There's a line. Somebody's he mentions. That, so this happens after Return of the Jedi. It's like five years later. Okay. Or right, three to five years, and there's this line where somebody says, "Oh yeah, he was a an imperial." Blah blah blah, and. He, Basically, they allude to you know how the stormtroopers can't hit anything, right? And Bill Burr goes, "I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass," but like his delivery because it's Bill Burr was really good. There's a scene with Jason Sudeikis that oh my god, it, it is, it is hilarious.
0: So is because it's on Disney Plus. Is this all like PG content? I mean, I guess I mean Star Wars already is pre, is pretty tame. But... It's
1: PG thirteen ish. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Of, a lot of people die.
0: But Star Wars death. I mean, it's not like gruesome. There's disaster. a guy that got caught in half. Oh. Ah.
1: And like Will episode one. No. No lightsabers.
0: No lightsabers,
1: really? No, this is post-Jedi.
0: Doesn't... What? Does the technology just become apparently.
1: unavailable? <laughs> yeah, apparently. 404, lightsaber not found. Yeah. Um, no, but it's... And it's on planets you've never heard of. And it's uh, it's just really cool. And there's a, this really neat, like, Western vibe to the the show, the soundtrack. There's an episode that... Basically is like, oh man, I'll remember the film later. But it's essentially a you know samurai film. Interesting, super cool.
0: Yeah, like as it is right now. I mean, we don't watch a ton of TV. Like we'll watch bits and pieces here and there. Like my my son likes uh, Goldbergs and Bob's Burgers and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff yeah. we'll, like that's currently on TV. We'll will catch yeah. through Hulu. Otherwise, it's a Friday night, Saturday night. What's on Netflix or what's on Amazon Prime just to catch you know something. But. It's not an all day, everyday thing, so mm. it's just as it is. It's like there's already more stuff available than we have time to watch.
1: Well, having been been sick for a while, yeah. Oh my god, I watched. I, That's what I, I need slept is like, or watch a good TV. sick day. Yeah, exactly.
0: And just go home and binge watch something and catch up on something. And, but I think I think the other thing is is like culturally. I mean, even though I know a lot of people have watched it, I I don't see like that same level of like water cooler talk why where, where i feel like i'm missing out because i'm not a part of the conversation
1: i think what's at least for me i think what's been interesting is because it's every week and whatnot there's been a lot of people have been really respectful of spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. yeah so it's not i unless the conversation has been prompted
0: yeah i do like making up fake spoilers though like the Yoda sex scene or right. you know, the, the car chase or something. That's totally not even a part of the movie. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But that's only because I haven't seen it. So I have no idea. So I know I'm not really risking any right. useful information by saying something stupid, but
1: not really well done. But uh, the, the other thing I got stuck watching uh, was an old season, like four seasons ago or something of the worst cooks in America.
0: Oh, like the cooking challenges where they just can't,
1: Yeah, it's a whole show about how, you know, here's the 20 worst cooks and they try and make them better. And I have no idea why. It's been
0: interesting. We were big on the, uh, I think it's on Netflix called Nailed It, where they have people that think they can bake and they have like, oh, here's this super elaborate cake that looks just like the Statue of Liberty. You now have two hours to build that cake. And then it ends up being this green lump of of crispy or of uh, rice crispy treats. Right. Those are pretty fun. Those are pretty funny. We did get into something that I think. it's on Hulu. It's 90 Day Fiancé?
1: No, come on.
0: My wife is big on that. And really? it's 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 such a train wreck because these are people for whatever reason that have found love in a different country. or yeah, fa- yeah. fell in love with somebody from a different country. And it's the struggles of these people. We used to just call it mail order bride. Yes. It's kind of is, but it, the first episode, the first season I think was all men with brides from overseas. Yeah. The second season was a mix. There were some women that had found men in other countries. Really? And so, yeah, it was a change of pace. But the one thing that's kind of a common thread is all these people that are from the U.S., that are living in the U.S., they're all broken in some way. Like, some of them, like, they're, oh, yeah, this is going to be my, my fourth wedding, my right. fourth bride, or I'm broke. or You know, and it's yeah. just like, why are you going through this expensive immigration process if you're a barista that can't afford to do anything? It's just these are train wrecks of people and, and my wife and I can't figure out why they would willingly share their story on TV. There's a lot of
1: that on, and I don't know if it's human vanity or the need to feel like accepted or what it is. Not because money. The, no, but
0: no, it can't be. Cause we looked it up. The people that get paid or the, the, the people on the show get paid uh, somewhere around like 1500 bucks an episode. And it's only the person that lives in the U S that gets paid because those that come to the U S on a K one visa can't get paid, can't get paid. They can't be, yeah, they're not, they're not able to work in the U S. So for a full season of what is it? Eight episodes or whatever, they get maybe 12,500 bucks. Well, and it's, it's like,
1: it's the same thing as those people that like, you know, and, like people
0: but, that want to be on cops that legally yeah, sign the sure. documents to be on cops. But,
1: the, but, but I was going to say, what I was actually going to say is, that, and, and I'm glad that they do this because it's effing entertaining to me, but these people that have these fail videos and stuff, like why did you upload that?
0: Yeah. It's that same thing. Like it's that viral mindset. Yeah, outside. why?
1: There's no reason if I go and I fall down my stairs trying to do some trick and I'm recording it, you know what's going to happen in the recording?
0: It's never going to be Nobody's ever going to yeah. see it. And I think, I wonder if that all started just because of that, I'm some video that, that easy way to make a 10 grand for your, your VHS cassette. And that kind of spawned all these other things. And now it's turned into, I think,
1: I think it's that mentality too of, you know, I've got to be, or I want people to pay attention or I'm not getting enough attention or whatever. I think that's part of it.
0: Yeah. It's just interesting. Cause in watching these, like it's, just, it's the Instagram thing. It's yeah. But in some of these, like the relationships are just so toxic. Yeah. Like there was one, I think this was season four. The, the dude was dealing with marijuana. Like he had like a dispensary or something like that, but he had been in prison and therefore they couldn't really qualify for apartments. And his, his fiance was this, crazy money obsessed Russian girl that was really kind of seemingly into him because he had a bunch of money right? and it was such a toxic relationship like she keys his car keys idiot on the side of his Escalade and then a couple episodes later they're driving to the courthouse in that very same Escalade that says idiot on the door to get married and he's just like what are you doing what the hell and so it's such a train wreck and I don't know why people I don't know if it's like the the ability okay I'll then leverage this TV show into becoming an Instagram influencer, or maybe I'll get paid appearances to be somewhere, I think. But it's just... Well, something about it works because we're talking about it. Yes. But I I, I guess the show's been around for years. I never came across it it until we stumbled upon it on Hulu.
1: Somebody else... It's funny that you bring it up because somebody very recently had mentioned the same show to me. Huh. It wasn't you. I don't remember who it was, but I had never heard of it before then.
0: It, I guess the show airs on t- the TLC.
1: <laughs> that is a quality network.
0: It used to be. I mean, back when the, the History Channel was really good and the, and the TLC was really good, then it all became about people with weird medical afflictions. And it's Canadians.
1: Isn't it a Canadian show? Or we,
0: channel? I
1: don't know. I, the, the Discovery Channel is. Or was. Yeah. Before Disney bought it.
0: Yeah, so that's that's I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Like all the stuff that we used to watch for educational purposes yeah. is totally just skewed to entertainment there's, and questionable entertainment. Oh
1: god, there and the thing is like if you look hard enough there's a lot of those shows. Oh yeah. Like there there's one my I don't even remember what it's called, but it's uh my sister was watching it and it's a uh, it's a reality show and all of the main characters all have down syndrome. Huh. And I can I
0: feel exploitative watching it. Yeah.
1: It's super weird. And they're all like, it's just about them and living their lives. Right. And they're, and you it's, know, I mean, it's
0: and they're, informative, but at the same time you're watching you're, someone It's weird. Yeah. And they've
1: made it where it's like, you can tell that it's a reality show and they're, they're feeding a little bit of it. And it's like, I don't know. Like, remember that little people, big world. Yeah. Like that. Like that's weird to me.
0: Yeah. Reality TV isn't real. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I worked for a company that was uh, providing automotive interior parts for, what was that show on the Discovery Channel where they had a hot... Ro- oh, man.
1: It not Pit it, My Ride.
0: No, no, no. Not Pit My Ride. It was the one with Boyd Coddington. Oh. Uh, it was one of those hot... Not ro- over Holland. No, no. But it was like that type of show. It was one right. of those where it would showcase uh, Boyd Coddington and his crew of guys working on a car and getting it ready by some arbitrary deadline and stuff. Right. And I knew it was all fake when the producer we we did the thing and then they stopped and had us redo that entire scene again because they didn't get the dialogue that they wanted. Right. And I'm like, what the hell? Like when you start feeding the reality stars lines and making them do things, a well, certain I think way. that
1: that was from day one. Yeah. Right. But
0: the, I didn't realize it. You watching the show, you don't realize it. Right. But right, then when right. you actually see it being filmed in front of you or in your workplace, you're like, oh, that's as fake as hell.
1: Right. I'm, I mean, this is reality, reality podcasting. Yeah. I fed you half this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, We've done this. This take 46.
0: (laughs) And this is as good as it gets. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Man, that is really sad. No, there's a lot of that stuff. And it's, it's, if you go now and like look at Hulu or look at, you know, just browse. Oh yeah. That's what most of this crap is these days. Yeah. It's just, it's terrible.
0: Yeah, and it all seems like I, I don't know if it's chicken or the egg, but when they had the the writer strike, a number of years ago, was it was like the mid, early two thousands, mm-hmm. and that kind of turned the table because reality TV is so much cheaper to develop because you don't have people writing scripts, you don't have all that overhead, mm-hmm. and the profit margins, I guess, are seemingly larger. And I guess it finds an audience, and there's people that, that are watching. I mean, we're we we've been uh, we've been ho- going through. And binge-watching, I mean, I think we're on the fifth season. Yeah. And we started a few weeks ago, so we've been watching a couple episodes here and there throughout the week, so. Well, and I'll, you know, I'm I'm, I'm guilty. Like, yeah.
1: I, you know, I'll watch some of that stuff, but definitely cooking shows over anything else. Oh, yeah. For me.
0: The cooking shows are always fun, because you look at it and you're like, oh, that looks good. Yeah. Have you ever tried to make something that you saw in it, like, oh, that sounds good, or? Uh,
1: not, well, I mean, yeah, I've made stuff not necessarily off, like, a cooking competition show. But like like made... oh
0: prime rib sounds good, I'll try that. Or... Yeah,
1: yeah. I I like cooking a lot. Yeah. So I do whether I see it there, or I just have a dumb idea in my head, and then I'll Google something and and verify that it's not the worst idea. and somebody's <laughs> done
0: it before. Somebody. Yeah,
1: or at least something similar. I a lot of times it's I'll look something up and I just make it up myself, for the most part.
0: What's the craziest thing you've made up from a culinary standpoint?
1: Uh, I don't think anything crazy, but like I did the. Uh, I don't know if I told you about what I did, 72-hour, or excuse me, 48-hour um, basically sous vide chuck roast for oh, Christmas. Yeah. And most of that was me. Okay, here's what, you know, I want to do something. And then I had a basic idea, looked up a few, like, little bits and pieces, and then just still pieced together my own
0: recipe. My, my best culinary adventures of w- when I was broke yeah, and just had to make a meal out of what was left in the pantry and the fridge. Yeah, That's, I think, where the, the real challenge comes into play. Instead of having this virtual grocery store where you can run out to any aisle and get the exact ingredient you want. It's like, all right, I got saltines, I got butter, I got mustard and I got some ham. What am I putting together here?
1: You are not ending up with anything good is what you're, what you're ending up with. Or not,
0: not anything great. Not anything great. Yeah. It's edible. It's, it's sustenance, but it's not something you go, "Mm, I can't wait to make that again.
1: Well, I jump on a plane tomorrow. So I haven't, I haven't grocery shopped. So tonight's going to be like, I think I've got some romaine lettuce and yeah. some vinegar.
0: Or oh, you like, can just walk down the street and get something to eat. I mean, that's kind of.
1: No, I, nah. nah, I, I want to finish what's here.
0: That's true. Before it goes bad. Yeah,
1: I've got some zucchini. Nice. Yeah. It's going to get whew, it's all, it's all kinds of culinarily crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. You're yeah. going to go out on a limb.
1: Oh, yeah. the, uh, you know I, But, yeah, I, I do like watching a lot. There's a lot of shows that I, like, make the making shows like where they're making stuff or they're building things. Like I really enjoy that. And I'm yeah. like, always like, Oh yeah. And it inspires me for about 15 minutes. And then I, and
0: it's, I think a lot of those shows, like it. I do the same thing where, especially when it's like a automotive or home repair type of show where you look at it and you go, Oh, well I could do that. Or it's like, oh, I I would probably do something different. Like right. I like what they did, but here's well, how- you, I mean
1: you get a bit of a germ of an idea. Yeah. It's yeah. the, now you have to do it part.
0: Right. No, no, it's just, it's all that hypothetical in your head. Like, Oh, I would have done it this way, even right. though there's no way you're going to do that type of project just because you don't need to or whatever, but right. it is kind of that it, it gets the, I guess the, the creative ideas going. Right. So yeah, I, I can see that.
1: Yeah. And I do enjoy that part of it and that that's kind of cool. And you know, I have plenty of stuff around here. I could make a ton of stuff. I just don't. Yeah.
0: Like, like my, uh, my son's a big fan of guys, grocery games. I can't, so, I
1: can't watch that show. I don't Chef Bro and I will never be friends. <laughs> ever.
0: He's a he's actually a good guy. I, he's I've, probably I've had chance a chance to guy. meet him a couple of times. Yeah, he, I, uh, we have several friends in common. He but, needs to calm down. Yeah. But I think part of that is just that's the persona he's created, yeah. so he kinda has to live up to it at this point. Did you
1: see uh do you ever watch American Dad? Yeah. Did you see the episode with it was the Guy Fieri episode? where it turns out it turns out Guy Fieri is basically a demon <laughs> and they have to return him back to like this this place that's like got like a hot cheese lava lake thing and put him in the lake to get like the demon to get released or oh my yeah. god it's hilarious Jeff, does- Jeff joins the crew
0: No I have not seen that episode I have to check that out It's
1: pretty good I'll look it up It's pretty hilarious
0: I remember early on uh when he was just kind of getting started with the diner's drivers and dives like yeah. Persona, we I was up in the northern California. I was, at, I think I was in Santa Rosa, and he had a restaurant called uh, Tex Wasabi. Yeah, and so it was this weird mashup of like American food and Japanese food. So like you would get a sushi roll that had French fries in it. It was surprisingly good though, like totally tacky. Like you would look at it and go like, oh holy hell, what the hell is it? But when you ate it, you're like, no, it, it actually works. Yeah. From a flavor standpoint, but... I, mean, I
1: like going to those restaurants.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, like I I, to, I'll look
1: it up. Yeah. yeah, if I'm in a city and, like, I went uh Fairbanks, we went to uh, one of the places he was at. Fairbanks or Anchorage? Maybe it's Anchorage. Anyways, no, it's... I, whatever, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's Fairbanks. We'll no, just call it Fairbanks. But I
0: think... The, the cool thing I think he does, at least with that show, is he does shed light on these smaller mom and pop right. establishments that wouldn't have right. the attention otherwise. And it has been pretty cool to be able to eat at some of the spots and and try those things. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is a legit dining spot or dinner spot or whatever it is. There's a really, really good breakfast place
1: in the university area in uh, Seattle Uh that he went to. that was pretty awesome. There's a good burger place in Sacramento. Um, Yeah, so he does go to some decent spots. But they are definitely 90% of them are greasy spoon, like heart attack on a plate, which is the best tasting.
0: Oh yeah, that's where yeah. all the flavor is. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Fat is flavor. Brown food is flavor. Just yeah, remember those
0: things. Yeah. yeah, those those things are not wrong.
1: No, they're they're totally correct. Ooh, I got bacon.
0: You know, bacon wrapped zucchini. Maybe sauteed in some. V- God, that sounds vinaigrette.
1: so terrible. <laughs> you know, you never know around here, kids. Um, so it is 2020, and this is. This is the third episode that we'll have out in two thousand twenty. Yeah, so. Joe. Yeah, we are we're on a roll. You may or may not have noticed, and not you specifically, Matthew, but the other people that are listening to this may or may not have noticed that we've uh, we've got one guest this year uh, so far. Yeah. We uh, spending some time together, and we will have other people back. Don't fear. We uh, we have. This is not, just uh, a
0: chance for you to get to know us better. Yeah,
1: I'm, and for these things,
0: we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> We always have to apologize. Yeah,
1: I don't, oh God, there's going to be a lot to know, or there is a lot to know, I guess. Um, So actually speaking of making things really quick, I need to make an acrylic uh, display case. So I can't find the size that I want. So I have a a visor off of one of my motorcycle helmets, Yeah. and I just want the visor in a display. Uh And it's easy to find a helmet display. I have a couple of those but just the visor. So I've actually got to get some acrylic and cut it up and glue it all together.
0: I have some guys that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I know people, so I have a lot of interesting connections where it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, either. I may not know the person directly, I, but I know somebody who can. Yeah. And years ago um, I was dating a, a girl that was a pageant contestant, like did beauty yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And she had won one. And so I had. All right. She
1: wasn't the last placer. Yeah. I don't know what that means. So
0: the runner up or whatever. So I had a acrylic case made for her tiara. Oh, yeah. yeah, So same thing. It was just. So I I know people. So if you need to do that. And I also had uh, for our wedding, we had an acrylic cake stand made that fit the aesthetic for the wedding. That's cool. So same thing. So I
1: I, I think it's a thing like I've built acrylic boxes before. It's just a matter of figuring out how do i want you know what how what are you gonna I want to look hold like. the visor up i'm just gonna make basically a, a acrylic platform yeah or i should say a base with a slightly smaller platform and i'll probably just raise it off with some some standoffs okay and then the visor will sit on that and then that'll give me the ability because it'll only be a couple mils smaller yeah. The platform so then i just build a top that fits over that and that holds yeah i didn't stuff. know if
0: you were going to take the, the the visor mounts and incorporate that into your stand no so you i can thread just thread it in and no
1: just super basic and it'll just sit flip. in there no that would be cool but no it'll just sit in there i just want a thing that covers i can put it on a shelf because it's the visor that um i can't wear anymore because it i took a rock to the face uh off a bike in front of me in alaska so i'm gonna I'll just, you know, I've got to are you gonna
0: try to do it. So it's modular. So that way, if you have future visors, you can then somehow. No, just, I
1: hadn't even got that far. I didn't think about it. Because well, I
0: mean, it's one of the things I mean, yeah, you, you go through all this work to make one, you right. want to make sure it's either reproducible in case you need more. Right, right, right. And then how are you going, you know, how do you incorporate that? But that will be cool.
1: Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, because I've got, so I, I have like a silver Sharpie, you know, kind of yeah, right yeah. where the visors, because that visor is only on that.
0: Or trip. you can just get a little uh, plaque engraved, like any frame shop can do that. Like a little plaque and like yeah, a I,
1: I, I kind of like I I did um I've got a couple of helmets and stuff and they're written on okay and then I stupidly I have got my autograph.
0: You sign your own visors. I did don't worry about it. <laughs> One day they'll be collectibles. Yeah,
1: maybe to nobody, but that's okay. No, I just kind of you know it's like mementos. From yeah, trips, yeah, the, right? the memory. So, of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to have a thing and just have it kind of. But you could
0: edge that. light the the acrylic with some you LEDs. Could.
1: You could. Go fancy. You probably could. I'm not gonna do that.
0: <laughs> the other thing you could possibly do is like check out. Um, I was just in Michael's looking at stuff, and they had a, a large number of different cases for like baseballs, golf balls, basketballs. Yeah, I,
1: I need to take a visor with me and go to Michael's and, and see what they the closest, got some, yeah, yeah, pre-built. Um, it's surprisingly expensive for that kind of stuff. Yeah, which I I thought was somewhat surprising. I think the the helmet that I've got in my, the other room, I think that was 130 bucks or 140 bucks for the case for
0: it. Yeah. I've got some sports movie at home. so like batting helmets and and football helmets and footballs and basketballs and stuff. And yeah, the cases for those weren't cheap, but compared to the cost of the item, it's like, ah, it's negligible.
1: Well, I've got a, a, uh, signed blazers basketball and I don't even remember what year it's from, but it literally has no case. It sits up on top of a shelf. You just
0: dribble it around from here and there. It's, Good I basketball.
1: Really I actually, if I found a Blazer fan that absolutely loved it, I would hand it to them, and never think twice about it.
0: How'd you end up with a autographed Blazer basketball? Uh,
1: when I was uh, living in Portland, we were one of the sponsors for, oh okay, for Blazers. So we uh, we had tickets and the whole yeah. Thing.
0: yeah, yeah. Anybody good playing on that team back in the day?
1: No idea. I went <laughs> to a couple games.
0: Can you even read the autograph?
1: Uh, that's always th- fun yeah with maybe
0: celebrity autographs you're like I don't know what even that it says
1: yeah and there's no I mean I guess there's no proof but it was given to me by the Blazers
0: yeah well I mean a lot of times the players at least will scribble their number on it so at least that helps you identify
1: oh I'm sure the you could figure it out if yeah. you really cared right but I just had taken it and stuck it on a shelf and yeah. I, I am mean, gonna have nowhere else to put it and I you know would rather free that space up for other things for Lego but maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I see so, how it is uh, the the Millennium Falcon. I'm trying to convince my buddy has the the Millennium Falcon. You know, it's like three feet long. Or I'm trying to convince him, Jason, actually, yeah, to buy this coffee table that I saw recently that that it fits into. But it's so far no go.
0: Yeah, that one's that one's hard when you're married and you have a spouse that's actually concerned about the.
1: Oh, she doesn't care. They have Legos everywhere. Oh, and in fact, they build Legos together. I think it's it's interesting though. I was thinking about this. So all of these. I don't know of a single one of these companies that's not somewhere in like Eastern Europe that make these cases. Yeah. They're, they make all these display cases for, you know, if, if a brand new Lego set comes out, they've got a display case for it, which is some of them are making little stands and things, yeah. <laughs> right? There's not a single one in the U S
0: maybe it's just because of the labor costs.
1: Maybe, or maybe there's an opportunity.
0: Hmm. What do you think the, the made in business America-
1: ideas on this show?
0: <laughs> yeah. Carbon fiber body jewelry and uh, acrylic display cases for random items.
1: Because there are a lot of the people on the internet. Yes. That live in the United States. They can't wait. They're importing these. You know, I mean, how much is shipping? True. Customs. Yeah. So you made them here and they're all flat pack.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh.
1: No, they're all flat pack, and you get them, and then you—they've got like clips to hold them all together. Oh, they're, that's really They're any other super cool. not,
0: yeah. not fancy. No.
1: Hmm. Maybe. Just saying. Uh, you no, know, laser that, cutter. Yeah. Right. Uh, I know people with laser cutters. Yeah. yeah. Lasers are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> got a laser in my phone, probably.
0: Twenty twenty lasers everywhere.
1: Yeah. This it's crazy. We predicted this in uh, Terminator.
0: Yes, I still don't have my flying car, but.
1: Well, uh, and we've passed Blade Runner. Yes. Well, in November, I think we passed Blade
0: Runner, yeah. right? And we passed the future of Back to the Future a couple years back. We did. So yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Who hmm. knew the future was going to be so bleak? No <laughs> flying
1: cars. It's just, turns out it's just the suburbs still.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, it sucks.
0: And, and on that depressing On that note,
1: very depressing No, Let's get the hell out of here. here. All right, Matt, bye. See ya. You've been listening to The Ungrown-Ups Podcast, and for this, we apologize.